Okay. All right. So let me know when uh, so, you want to just kick it off and uh, get into how, it. How, how are we kicking this off? Uh, do we have a thing or are we just gonna well i know what the intro should be else. now it's gonna be this whole audio over music and that's gonna be our introduction <laughs> <laughs> oh look at that we're recording yeah there we are all right here we go <clears throat> it, 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 slightly uh, uh a four lane wild daredevils they are wow oh, we, we, wow we're like 50 minutes in already yeah so. <laughs> Whatever you said. What did you say? <laughs> but yeah, that about wraps up. Ra- wow. Wraps up. Is there a reason you keep muting yourself? Yeah, I was eating a sandwich. I was hungry. Oh. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode four of Blinker Fluid. This is a particularly special episode because it's coming to you from two different countries. Yeah, had to make a work trip, so recording this in Mexico. All right, so from New York and Mexico, Vince, we all want to make sure that you get back safe and all that fun stuff, but you know, (laughs) as always, I am Nick, and that amigo over there is Vince. Yes, sir. And we are back for our fourth week of car, mostly related opinions. (laughs) <laughs> oh, we, we we stay on task, roughly. Yeah, for the most part, for the most part, we stay on task. We stick with cars anyway, and their drivers. <laughs> exactly. Let's get the endorsements out of the way first of all, because until further notice, as always, Blinker Fluid is brought to you by absolutely nobody. Nothing's changed there. It's not. It hasn't. And I mean, if it does, great. But until then, I'm going to keep saying that. <laughs> Buckle in, folks. It's going to be a long time. Yeah. Exactly. Well, so as we know, caving to heavy pressure from a small podcast, GM released the Hummer EV. Yeah. If you listened to the last episode, you know exactly what we think of that particular vehicle. Not great. Not great. Yeah, we don't love it. Although, and I mentioned this earlier uh, in the pre-show, which I'm going to keep calling that. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what it is. Uh, there are some renders out now of a three-door version that are much nicer not a whole lot the front end's still busted but the profile of it is a lot better in a three-door version than a four-door for sure so gm hop to it because as we're about to show you fine people out there you can do a lot better for your hundred and thirteen thousand dollars can't you vince oh my gosh so much better now before we get into exactly what we've decided you could get instead the parameters that we focused on were this the hummer ev is a high-end suv you want performance, obviously. We didn't focus heavily on off-road ability because, like we said last week, you're not going to off-road this if you bought it at the $113,000. Maybe when it gets down to the lower-tiered versions, the ones you can get for like $80,000, maybe someone will take it off-road then. But at that, that first buying platform, there's no way someone takes this off-road. No. Yeah, I wouldn't hold my breath on that. Although I will maintain that uh, my pick is a very capable off-road vehicle, no matter how bougie it is. And it is very bougie. Mine will go off-road. Uh, I don't know how hard <laughs> you'd want to press it. <laughs> <laughs> Just the skepticism in the beginning. I mean, it'll 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 make a turn on gravel. I mean, you're, you're, you're not going to take this thing and like really tackle trails with it. But like if you had to if you, if, if you had to take it down some dirt roads or maybe something a little bit rougher, I wouldn't I wouldn't go crawling with it. I wouldn't go, you know, real trail driving with it. But if you had to do a tiny bit of overlanding, I'd say this thing could probably handle it. All right. So Vince, do better for me for my $113,000. All right. Well, for me, I went over to our fine folks in Germany and I said BMW uh how cheaply can i build a x6m and well i could have i could have kept it it directly under uh $112,000 but i decided to make my interior a little nicer place to sit so i'm sitting around $113,000 for my bmw x6m and i i i think the x6 in general, uh, whether it's an M spec or not, is a pretty good looking SUV for BMW. Um, it's not as it's it's more uniformly sized than some of their other entries have been, where you kind of have like the the real low hood and then just a massive bubble in the back. 
it's got more of a complete slope from four to F there. With BMW doing these like larger cutouts in their grill now, you kind of need a, a chunkier car to pull that off. And when they're doing them on some of their SUVs, they just stand out. Sorry, some of their uh, sedans uh, and coupes, it's just, it stands out like way, they're way too massive. When you put them on something like the X6, the mat, the more massive nature of the the front end of the car kind of swallows it up and it looks more normal. So I, I think it's a fairly good looking vehicle. Uh, I have not been in one or talked to anybody that owns one, so I can't really tell you how they drive, but it's a BMW, so I'm assuming it's good. And it's an M car. You know, at, at the at the very least, for all BMW does, their cars drive well the majority of the time. And it's an M, so absolutely. I, I, have, I have very little skepticism that this would not be a good vehicle to drive. Yeah, I uh, I was surprised, but well, not surprised by BMW, but like you said, right, as somebody who's never driven one, I uh, I got into I was dry, I was flying up from Virginia or I was supposed to and I my flight was delayed into Newark so it was one of those things where it was delayed into Newark and it got pushed back and pushed back and you know there's eventually a point of no return right where you have to decide all right either I'm gonna drive up or hope this flight doesn't get canceled right so I went to uh, for, I'm standing in the airport and I make a reservation for a car and I got a truck because I drive a truck and I was like, that's just what I wanted to be in. And I get up there and, you know, because it's a rental car. I was trying to find something, you know, that could really, really stretch the legs out, especially from, you know, a 95 all the way up to Jersey, especially when you get in the turnpike. It's basically our version of the Autobahn. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I, I let the guy know that at the at the desk and he said, well, you know, I don't have anything crazy you know, I don't have any of the muscle cars or anything, but I got a 2020 BMW 5 Series. You want to drive that? And I was like, uh, yeah. What the hell, right? First of all, I got in it and I immediately felt like somebody in a jacket was going to knock on the window and clear his throat judgmentally and make me get out of the car. I did not. <laughs> I really like <clears throat> So, are you where y'all supposed to be? No, I'm not. So it was a nice place to be. It was a comfortable car. And, you know, this isn't a performance edition. This isn't any kind of special tuning or anything. And it was superb to drive. Superb. And as, I, as I'm as i in this car for six hours, I'm having a thought to myself, this is just some, like, standard cooking model BMW. What happens when you get into an M car? Oh, my God. Yeah. Where has this been my entire life? So I think it's pretty it's pretty easy to it's not difficult rather to make the leap to say that the X6M is probably pretty solid to drive. Looks good. Uh I believe I believe in your and double check me on your spec because I don't know which one it is, but I believe it's the uh 4.4 liter twin turbo V8, 600 horsepower, roughly. I don't we, there's no options for that. So it it comes with an engine and that's what it is. <laughs> The only one that gets more is the M competition, which gets 617. So yeah, no, no, no. I have a standard M. There's no performance package. The only options, because okay, so the 2021 X6M starts at 108,600. A bargain. Oh uh, yeah, uh, absolute. Yeah, I'm not gonna say it's a bargain, <laughs> but uh... <laughs> for the discerning person with more money than sense. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Uh, and the only I, I put a I put a Marina Bay Blue metallic paint on it, which didn't cost me anything. Okay. And the only things that costed me a little bit extra were my interior options. So I gave instead of full black. You're probably going to hate me for it, but I gave it a two tone black and brown leather. I don't know why I would hate you for that. I think it's a solid look. Okay, cool. Uh, some people just really don't like brown leather interiors and i will agree it's not something every car should go for but on something like this i feel like it works i don't know it just it's a little it's a it's a tough looking car and brown interiors just look more rugged to me i gotta tell you in that vein i love although it's not quite the same but i love like the saddle interiors on they do on some of the special edition pickups yeah yeah it's solid it's a really nice look i do like that so the 1776 toyota tundra has one of those and that is just fantastic the the 94 1794 edition they start at 33 no they don't trd pro is 48 the platinum no the 1794 edition tundra is 48.995 starting msrp anyway x6m is sharp it's also I mean, it's good looking on its own. It's a lot better looking than Hummer. 
Oh my gosh. A lot better. It's, it's not it's it's a big vehicle, but it's not flashy. No. Even even in non-M spec, the X6 is a very subtle vehicle. Yes, it's big, it makes a statement, but it's not loaded with tons of chrome and B- BMW is not spelled out in LED lights in the in the, uh-huh. hood, in, uh-huh. <laughs> in, the in the grill. Like what could you be referring to? <laughs> hmm. I don't know. No, definitely more understated, yeah. yeah. Isn't it sad, State of Affairs, when an X6M is an understated vehicle? I don't know if it's a sad State of Affairs. I actually kind of like that State of Affairs. Well, you like that. You you are all into the freaking sleeper spec. You are all about yeah. that life. All about that life. All right, any, uh, any particular features on that you like, don't like, besides the fact that it's an M car and it's going to drive well? Do you add anything else interesting? We were in the interior. Besides the leather, they had an option for an ash wood trim instead of like a generic gloss black kind of stuff. And you know, I threw that in there. That was, that was, that was all I could afford because at that point I was $113,000. And I was like, let me not run this up any further. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, I mean, it, it does, you, know, you can get performance packages on it to make it handle better and uh, all sorts of things. There's like an executive luxury package that gives you more like convenience options. But really, it's a BMW. I mean, how many more convenience options do you need from then what they come standard with? They come standard with a lot, especially when you get an M version. Right. Yeah. I mean, you you probably to the extent some of those choices are made for you because it's an M. So, you know, I get it. All right. X6M. Definitely, definitely a better decision. Oh, for the Hummer, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I, yeah. You're going to just. You can get more out of it. It's going to be more fun. You're not going to have to worry about a lot of things, and you're not going to look like a complete tool. So, as much of a complete tool. Well, yeah. I mean, it's still a BMW. You're still driving a BMW. <laughs> it's still a BMW SUV that the you fa- said. The facts of life of BMWs still exist. Right. Right. All right. So, in my case, I may have factored in off road a little more than I thought I was going to because, based on the brand, but at the same time, I don't know that you could have a confluence of all of these things really anywhere else in this similar price area. So I went for a 2021 Range Rover Sport. Range Rover's, uh, first of all, exterior, uh, this is just a great looking car. Um, it has been since they redesigned it. I don't even remember when. They've just kind of, through the years, you know, smoothed it out, sleeked it down. It is still great looking. They still look great on the road. They look great parked. They look great everywhere. A, it's a great looking car. It's what it's one of those cars that from a side profile looks like it's always in motion, and yes. that's just a fantastic thing to have. Yes, uh, it's also got. Even though, right, we discounted this, but I'm sure there'll be. I mean, I, I don't think there will be because I doubt anyone who went anywhere near buying a Hummer is listening to this. But uh, <laughs> there'll be someone out there who will go, well, you know, off road pedigree and blah blah blah. Well, I got to tell you, the Range Rover's got plenty of it. Um, oh yeah. You know, this is a car that in any, pretty much any spec that they have, you can submerge into up to, I think it's a meter of water and just drive right on through it. I mean, this particular one has a, it's like a float meter or a Ford meter, you know, <laughs> what, what SUVs putting that in there, you know, so it's there. Not a lot of people use it for it, but it's there. So this one I optioned uh, a bit higher than our mark. It's $115,118. Oh my gosh, and- where are you going to get the extra money? And four cents. I know the four cents is the is the bad part, right? I'd have to walk out of the dealership at that point. I know, I know, I know. And get in your hired car and get driven away. Uh, this uh, one came with the five liter supercharged V eight, five hundred and sixty horsepower. I think it is. I mean, yeah, it's a great power plant. It sounds outstanding. If you've never heard one, my interior. Now, <laughs> I went for a navy blue leather with black leather inserts navy blue leather i mean it's a dark blue yeah it looks really good Hmm. that's interesting yeah oh i went for i'm sorry i also went for a uh electric blue metallic exterior paint velocity blue so we both went blue on the outside which i thought was interesting uh obviously this comes with the panoramic sunroof it's got wireless charging for your phone it's also got oh Vince, I got to turn my chair around for a second and wrap with the American car companies. Oh, oh, okay. Guys, what the hell? I've optioned so many of your SUVs and your trucks over my lifetime. <laughs> this is the first vehicle I've ever optioned that has a fridge. What? How? 
How did they beat us to this? <laughs> oh my, get it together. This is, I can't even believe this. There needs to be another Boston Tea Party just for this. A fridge in the vehicle. Yes, up front in the center, like console, like right between where the gear shift is and the, the passenger seat was like where your cup holders go. There's, it's an insert, and underneath that is a fridge. All I can, all I can picture in my head right now is that episode when Archer got his talking car, and there's like a bar in the glove compartment. Yes, <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, it's a whole section between the gear shift and the top of the dashboard. It's a fridge. I'm, I'm, I can't even believe that we lost that. That's what are, we, what are we focused on right now that we can't be putting fri- refrigerators in vehicles? Unbelievable. That's it. So now if I had to pick who it was going to be, it'd probably be Dodge. Dodge, I need the first vehicle mounted deep fryer. Make it happen. Vehicle mounted deep fryer. <laughs> we have to figure out something with the oil. We'll figure air fryer. <laughs> oh, no, air fryer. no, no. Hold on. No with the oil. Oh, my God. I've got it. An air fryer glove box. An air fryer glove box. The the display can be on the top. You you put it in the glove box, shut it, set your timer, boom. Now, okay, who would actually do that though? Groundbreaking. Are you kidding me? Road trips, man. Just dump them in the no, air. No, no. Which company would actually do Dodge? That? I'm pretty sure it's got to be Dodge. Who else would do that? There's no way they would. It's got to be Dodge. It takes away horsepower. They wouldn't do that. Hmm. Got to be. I mean, who else would do it? Ford's not going to do it. Oh, no. No, no, no. Ford would never. GMC's busy. GMC's like, what? Fried foods? No, I'll put a kale garden in the glove box. Oh, our... my gosh. <laughs> Hoity-toity pickup trucks. Like, no. No, thanks. But GMC, I love you. I love the Sierra, but anyway. All right. So, we need fridges and cars. Yeah. So, what or else you got? Uh, what if... <laughs> or an air fryer. <laughs> <laughs> What else you got options on that thing? So we have 22-way massage memory front seats, 10-inch seat rear entertainment. Which, for for those who have never sat in a vehicle that has massaging front seats, that is the most fantastic thing you'll ever have on a road trip when you just really don't want to get out. Like, if, if you're driving one of these larger vehicles where you have just such a massive gas tank that you can do... 700 miles without stopping and you know drive for like seven straight hours a massage seat is amazing (laughs) amazing say it with feeling i'm pretty sure i just did (laughs) you did what else do i have on here heated windshield which i thought was a defroster but apparently it's not a cd dvd player oh i also threw a heads-up display on this because i assume that people want the technology aspect and yeah you could do that you can throw a heads-up display on that it's a cool oh yeah i I actually kind of like heads-up displays they're uh they're less gimmicky now than they used to be because you know back in when they first were kind of like messing around with those you would get basically your speedometer and not much else but now you get like all the actual information up there yeah so it's not like you're looking up there for one thing and then you have to look down for everything else no you can get like the whole display of information up there that you would need yeah now you get speed health ammunition (laughs) <laughs> map. is that not is that not the same is this, oh all right my bad oh anyway. my gosh yeah, yeah the, so, the hud of the vehicle <laughs> still do better for your money although to be honest you know cars and vehicles you could probably do a lot of interesting things with that kind of money that aren't necessarily buying a brand new high-end suv i would not be buying a high-end suv for that money for this money no? No, oh no, I would never. But that's what we had to try and do. And if we had to, you know, if I was forced, if somebody was holding, you know, holding me hostage and saying, you have $112,000 to spend and you have to spend it on a high-end SUV, that's what I, I picked what I would go for. But usually I would not be spending that kind of money on an SUV. I wouldn't either. You could buy more interesting things, to be honest. Yeah. And you can buy almost the exact amount of SUV for a lot less. That's also true. I mean, to be honest, pick a spec on the Hummer that you like out of the list of, let's say there's, let's say there's five main ones, which there aren't, but let's say there's five main ones. You could find at least three and save 50 grand at least. At least 30 to $50,000. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, even if you wanted to stay with like a high end brand, you know, you could get, uh, I mean, as much as I don't enjoy seeing them on the road, you can go buy a Porsche and get way more bang for your buck. Very true. Jaguar's doing some good some good things with SUVs these days. And still, more bang for your buck. 
you can get one of those F paces for like the options list of two of these cars. Yeah. And fully and that's fully loaded, completely out the door, all sorts of kit done mm-hmm. for for Penny. So I mean it all depends, right? I mean at this point you're just it's just a status symbol. I feel like I feel like you're just doing it to do it. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure we said that, you know, when we were talking about the Hummer before. It's, people are going to buy these just to be that person who owns it, and that's all they care about. But yeah, you can definitely do more car for less money. Absolutely. Or not a car at all, as it turns out, as you made me aware recently. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, we love all things automotive, be it cars, boats, motorcycles. Yeah, if it's got a motor and makes the room noise, I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I was recently informed by a buddy of mine, which I, I I don't know how I had not known this before because I'm well aware of how much of a uh, a gearhead and a motorcycle enthusiast he is. But and I, I just never heard that Keanu Reeves owns slash co-owns a motorcycle company. And while there's no pricing available for these, I we're just gonna ballpark that. Yeah, they probably cost around one hundred twelve thousand. <laughs> I would be remiss by the way if I didn't point out. Yeah, I don't know how you didn't know that because that seems like right up your. your yeah, alley. It, it is. It is right up my alley. I've I've always enjoyed looking at the the very high end of motorcycle uh, stuff. I've thoroughly enjoyed following Confederate motorcycles through their journey of building just some amazing, amazing things. Those are some pretty cool bikes. I've been on yeah. Confederate a couple times. Those are those are legit. I do like those. They're fantastic. Yeah. So the, the company is called. I'm, I'm assuming it would be pronounced Arc or Arch. One of those two. It's A R C H motorcycle, and uh, they have they have a, a couple of designs. I believe that most of theirs are based. Uh, most of the actual completed builds are based around the KRGT one is what they're calling it. I'm assuming that stands for Keanu Reeves GT one. <laughs> I would assume. I mean, pro- probably. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it would. I don't- Wild, I guess. yeah, I, this is wild, but I guess we'll go with it for now. Yeah, it's visually, it's a stunning, stunning bike. It's it's interesting because it gets the bo- the body lines and the stance of it seem to be very cafe racer esque, very old school cafe cafe racer esque. But the way the seat is built, uh, it built into the bike, and and the way. The handlebars are taller, so that does take away from it a little mm-hmm. bit. But then also just the way the seat is curved and built in, it's giving you a much more upright riding position if you want it. You know, you can obviously lean over you know, and negate that entirely, but it seems to be giving you a much more upright riding position, uh, similar to a, a standard or a naked bike, while still maintaining the ultra low weight of the skeleton frame deal. Yeah. When I first looked at this, initially bike-wise, they, they remind me of, of kind of Street Fighter type, Cafe Racer too. But like Street Fighter bikes. Mm, okay. They have a model as well called the Method 143. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. How dope is that thing? I like that. That bike reminds me of a sport. If if Ducati were to take the Diavel and make it a sport bike, that is what I imagine this would be. Yeah. It's a 143 cubic inch engine, which on a bike, just to translate. It, oh, it's massive. Yeah. 2,343. And just look how center mounted it is in the frame. Yeah. It's, it's dead oh. center. The other, uh, I was assuming those are intakes on either side. Like this thing is a hulking mass of power and it looks absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. You could stand this next to any Confederate motorcycle, which the Confederate motorcycles they they cost anywhere from you know one hundred and five thousand dollars to like two hundred thousand dollars. You could sit this next to any one of those, and I would assume that they built it. Yeah, I mean they have similar design elements. Arch, I think, is a little more or arc, whatever it is. Honestly, I like them better. I think they're nicer looking. They're definitely cleaner. They are cleaner. That's what, yeah. That's what that's that's the word I would use. You're right. They're definitely cleaner. But it's cool. I mean, it's a cool thing in general. They're they're great looking bikes. It looks like a lot of time goes into the design and production for these for people. And yeah, it's co-owned by Keanu Reeves. How cool is that? <laughs> like, yeah, you're all you're all the way through. That's a that's a pretty cool trio of things. Oh, it's 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 cool for the name factor, and it's cool because he knows what he's talking about when he talks about bikes. Like, oh, yeah. if he's involved with the engine engineering, the feel of these, and like test riding them and stuff, then, then you know it's going to handle and perform well. You're going to be comfortable on it, and it's just going to be a good bike. Definitely. Oh, yeah, he's he's been been big into bikes. Oh, 
for many, many years. Been big. His collection is fantastic. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. You you don't see I'm I'm excited to see stuff like that on the road. You know what I mean? Because that's stuff that you don't. And I mean, we've been in a lot of places. Um, I think tonight's show. Hell yeah. Tonight's show is is a good indication of that. I mean, you're in freaking Mexico right now. I'm seeing my first Renos on the street that I've ever seen in my life. It's it's amazing. Oh, what? That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Come on, Renos on the road. I don't know what I would do with that. There's a dealership like within walking distance. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. And that's the thing, right? I mean, you're in in what was and still can be, I guess. It's just like the beating automotive heart of America when you're in Michigan. Yep. You know, we've been up and down the eastern seaboard and actually out to the west coast, which (laughs) I guess begs a question, doesn't it? What is the worst state you've ever driven in? We need some criteria for that because there's so many different factors that make bad driving states. Okay, so... Okay, so let's let's hit that. What is something that immediately, if you see it or experience it, you you hate? You don't want to be on the road anymore. You want to be home immediately. And then it would have to just basically be the drivers. Like, I mean, nothing's gonna nothing's gonna tick me off immediately. Like an entire state that just has no idea how to conduct themselves on the road. But things that are definitely, I, I think, should be involved in that kind of a category that take a little longer to get to you are just road conditions. I mean, if you drive through an entire state and the entire state's road conditions are just so terrible that it's a miserable trip, that's not going to hit you in the first half hour because you're going to be constantly thinking, it'll get better. It'll get better. (laughs) And then it won't. And it never does. And then there's also road work for a ridiculously long period of time. Like when one road has about 30 miles of continuous road work at once. That's a little bit much. Okay. I think I think the only way we're going to come to anything near a consensus is we're going to have to explore each category. So I think it should be drivers, road conditions. Let's do three majors. Drivers, road conditions, which includes road work, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Policing, I think, should be a lot. Oh, you're right. Yeah, policing should be in there. Policing should definitely be in there. So, so let's start with drivers. <laughs> oh man there's i mean there's no getting around this which statements is the worst drivers that you've been to i'm not saying overall but that you've been to who's got the worst drivers i gotta say washington washington state washington state yeah no not not dc washington state i have not well yeah D- dc they're all state. still in traffic they can't drive anywhere there's nobody they're still <laughs> no yeah washington state has just some of the, just the worst not even some of just the worst all of them. They're all there. <laughs> why why are they so terrible? Hit me. It, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be for reasons you would think either. So the Washington State drivers are absolutely awful. The first gripe I have, they have like four most of their major connecting highways are four lanes wide. And yet all of their speed limits are fifty five miles an hour. First problem. What? Oh my god. Yeah, I didn't see anything over fifty five the entire time I was there. <clears throat> so first first problem, if you have enough real estate to build four-lane highways and have them continue at – not go around you know, ridiculous curves and you're going to limit everyone to 55 miles an hour, you're already on my, you know, on my bad side. But you know what? If we can actually go 55, you know, maybe 60, maybe the guys in the far left lane are really pushing 65 and risking it. You know, <laughs> cool, whatever. We can get somewhere. Daredevils they are. But no, 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 no. All four lanes, the most they will drive is the speed limit. You, you, you'll, you'll find the guys in the far left-hand lane going 55 and progressively all the way over to the right-hand lane. Uh, they'll maybe be going like 40 to 45 in the right-hand lane. Dear. God, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Washington State has uh, Seattle's the you know major city there and everything and well I mean grunge music and all that stuff and it rains a lot out there they're known for it rain affects driving conditions yes but when you're going you know at speed on the highway really the first five ten minutes of a rain you know rain shower rainstorm are the most hazardous for slipping because it brings all the oils up to the surface and then after that they wash away and you're pretty much able to unless it's you know sheets of rain coming down you're pretty much able to just drive like you normally would no not out there no 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 it starts raining we got to drop 10 mile an hour off our speed wow immediately and you'd think of of all people they'd know how to drive in the rain right that's what i (laughs) would say i would say yeah you know you you live here you live with it you know how to do this right 
Yeah. No, no, I don't. I don't think they do. I guess they do. But the option is don't. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I won't I won't fault them for for the snow incident when I was out there because they really don't get a lot of snow for as far north as they are. They don't get a lot of snow. If they get three inches a year, it's a miracle. So there was an incident where they had a a catastrophic amount of snow for them. uh, and They have no infrastructure to clear it. And because they're not used to driving with snow on the roads, there was a lot of stuff going it's on. Like the south, I, yeah, I can't fault them for that because they're just not used to it. So, and and it is not a flat area to drive. There's a lot of hills, a lot of curves. So, I'll give them that. But normal conditions, driving that much under, the, just universally driving that much under the speed limit, makes them the worst drivers I've ever encountered. Hmm. I would rather sit. In New York City traffic, being flipped off and cursed at, and just all of the terribleness that comes with that, then go drive out there with them. Wow, that's saying a lot. I yeah, I mean, I've never been to Washington, so I'm gonna have to take your your word on that. Um, the worst drivers I've ever dealt with, and this is this was a tough one. When we were down, when we went for the national championship game with my football team, the semi-pro team I was with in Richmond. Mm-hmm. It was in Florida. Ooh. I have never. There is not. If you had asked me before I'd gone, you know, is there a combination of drivers who have the laissez-faire attitude of the South with the additional chaos speed, lack of signaling, and lack of just common sense of the New York, New Jersey metro area? I'd say no. That is ridiculous. <laughs> but I'd be wrong because Florida. it's Florida. I. It's unbelievable. To me, the people in hatchbacks that don't actually have parts on them, right, that are driving down the road, that'll cut you off in intersections. That's what's incredible to me. You're going through an intersection and this car cuts you off and makes a right from the far left lane with no signal. Just does it. Just does it. Oh, okay, that's cool. But you you couldn't react anyway because you're stuck at the red light for the 90th time. Because the Crown Vic in front of you that's been doing 30 miles an hour in the 55 won't move. I'm, I'm getting angry just talking about it. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm getting worked up because it's insanity. It's, the lines on the road are, you know, you're in a part in Pirates of the Caribbean where it's like, those are mainly just guidelines. Oh, they are. They're just guidelines. Boy. They don't care. Nobody cares. Maintaining their own side yeah. of the road is, is all that they're really willing to do. After that, Godspeed, you're on your own. Wow, that's insane. It's nuts. It was absolute chaos. And the funny part was, it's the only time I drove, because most of the time we walked or got driven to practice, but the one time I was rounding everybody up from uh, Walmart, we went and got a bunch of food and stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm driving a, like a sprinter, like the van that we came down in. <laughs> it was a, it was an absolute mess. If I, if I never drive in Florida again for the rest of my life, it'll be too soon. <laughs> oh, man. That's it, was, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. All right. What's our next one? Road, roads, conditions, work. Oh, <laughs> so I'm torn here a little bit oh, because I I would say Michigan because Michigan has a notorious problem with road work. However, I will argue that they're doing it so frequently that their road conditions are not nearly as bad as people make them sound. So people from Michigan will constantly tell you that they have the worst roads in the U.S. And if you've driven in other places, you will find out that no, they don't. They just think they do. Certain roads are awful, yes. But as a whole, the state does not have that bad of roads. As a whole, Pennsylvania has the worst road conditions I have ever encountered in my life. Ooh, and for all the construction they managed to do on it, it never seems to fix anything. Wow. The swing for Pennsylvania. Yeah, no. Pennsylvania. When I enter Pennsylvania from Ohio, I can tell immediately. When you cross the state line from like, you know, Ohio to Pennsylvania, it's just it's immediate. And I mean, Ohio has fairly at least the at least the highways that I've been on in Ohio, because usually when I'm driving through there, I'm just getting through the state. Um, so are the people who live there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is very true. But th- their highway system is very well maintained, and their roads are, are fantastic. So maybe it's just like the fact that Ohio's highways are like actually 
better than average and then going into Pennsylvania, but it's just, it's so obvious immediately. All right. Pennsylvania with the road work. Yeah. I actually, I'm inclined to agree with you a little bit there. Those roads are, are pretty awful. Uh, I've done highways now. I've done the length and breadth of PA. I did, you know, from Geneseo to Scranton. I did from Jersey to Pittsburgh and whether you're on those back state highway roads or on the actual highways, they're yeah, they're pretty bad overall. And I, guess, I mean, in my experience, just tons of road work all the time. Yeah. I don't think I've ever driven through the state of Pennsylvania for more than an hour without hitting road work. No, definitely. My only, my only counter would be, so I'd, I'd agree with you on Pennsylvania. My only counter would be New York's New Jersey. New Jersey's are bad because they never work on them. And when they do, it's work that doesn't need to be done. <laughs> like, That's fair. That's very fair. Like, oh, we're going to replace this barrier. I, I just watched somebody drive through a hole in the road. Yeah, we got to fix this barrier. And that's going to take about <laughs> six months. All right. Well, I guess we'll just keep driving into the nether until you guys get your shit sorted out. Yeah. All right. I, oh, that's a good candidate. I actually think we agree on this one. Uh, worst policing. Oh, policing? Yeah. Virginia. Oh, see? Yeah. It's got to be Virginia. Virginia. Before we even get into the fact of how the cops act in Virginia, um, hey. let's also just... <clears throat> I said, uh, Okay, how the uh, cops who patrol the roads Stay, act in Virginia. Thank you. What? Wait a minute. Uh, Hold on. Whatever. <laughs> Go ahead. It's fine. You know it's true. Uh-huh. Let's first touch on the fact that it's it's kind of a, a internet thing but it's very very true of, of things you can do with cars like put radar systems in them and all sorts of stuff where it's like legal in 49 states huh i wonder where it's illegal virginia yeah if you're if you're if you're looking at something that you can do to your car to mod it in any way shape or form and it says legal in 49 states the state that it's illegal in is virginia which is funny because try as we might california is still here yeah and there's a lot of stuff that California, like that, those are the, anything that says legal in 48 states, California is also on that list, but Virginia is the other one. Yeah. Virginia is the other one. So a couple of things of note to mention before you actually do get into the police acting thing, anything over 80 miles an hour is reckless driving, which is a misdemeanor violation. I have done quite a bit of reckless driving in Virginia. <laughs> When I worked in the jail, as you so nicely pointed out, I didn't. Every point so that often, out, but... you did because you said the cops who patrol the road. Like I wasn't on the road, so it's fine. When I was in the jail, uh, in a lot of the new commit wings, you look at some guys' charges, and a lot of the time you see like reckless driving, and then greater than eighty miles an hour, and I'm like, oh, there, but for the grace of God, go I, because that's what I was doing on the way to work. <laughs> you know, and and the troopers know it, man, and they are they hide. I mean, oh yeah. Well, first of all, tr- Virginia trooper cars are very disguisable because there's basically no markings on them. Yeah, they're the blue and silver with with just the decal on the side. They're not really they're not really super yeah, copish. Most of the time, those decals are ghosted. So yeah, go on. They're just they're they're hard to spot. Yeah. They're very hard to spot. Yes, and the way they act, you argue that they designed them that way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And the, the crazy thing is, too, with Virginia, they are notorious for pulling over people for doing the same thing as the car in front of them, behind them, next to them, whatever, just because they don't have a Virginia license plate. Yeah, I think that's where the, you know, your parents, I mean, obviously, we're both we're from New York, but whoever, your parents ever tell you, like, oh, you be careful with your out-of-state plates. I'm pretty sure that rumor and caution started in Virginia. Oh, absolutely. I, I've driven through so many states with random license plates. And I, I usually don't change the way I drive. And I mean, I'm not insane, but I drive a little faster than the average Joe. But the only state that I've ever had to like really focus on no keep the speed limit or like just two mile an hour over or something like that is Virginia. Every other state I've been through with Michigan plates, with rental cars, with Florida plates, Rhode Island plates, like whatever, like no, never been an issue except I always worry about Virginia. And with good reason. Yeah. Because they're they're out there, man. They really are. Yeah, I think overall, I don't know that I don't know that we'd be able to pick the absolute worst, I think. Virginia's got pretty bad road work too. Virginia does have bad road work, but I think they, they do a lot of their major highway stuff at night. They do. That is true. They do. And they're very efficient with it. I have to give them that. Their process for it is efficient. They got themselves sorted out for sure. Yeah. Which is why which is why I don't want to fault them for the road work. Too. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, so Florida and Washington, you have the worst drivers. Pennsylvania, get your goddamn roads together. This is absurd. You have some solid <laughs> scenery and some really nice spaces to be driving through. Make it that way. Yes. Because that's ridiculous. And Virginia, you got you got the worst cops. You just do. Your, your traffic enforcement. The most savage. Dude, there is cops. a stretch of highway in Hopewell where I was supposed to be a police officer before I moved home. In Hopewell, there was a stretch of of road down there, and I can't remember what it was called. But it was patrolled specifically by the Hopewell count by the Hopewell Sheriff's Office. And they pulled so much off of there that it was called the million dollar mile. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's awful. So Virginia, in case you wanted to argue with that. Yeah. You've got an entire road named for something that shouldn't be a thing. How long how many how many enforcements on the million dollar mile before y'all could reserve yourselves a Hummer E V? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> Could be your new traffic enforcement car. Oh my gosh. Parking. It's your new meter maid right there. It'd be great. I'd just go off road. Uh, you'd be the first. It, it won't follow you. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. You know, I'm starting to get a little divine inspiration. <laughs> yeah. I I am. I, I believe that it is once again time to beseech the powers that be. Ooh. I like the sound of that. <clears throat> God. Car God, Jeremy Clarkson, James Pumphrey, it's us, your humble disciples, once again pleading for you to return these lost models to us in all their glory, and in exchange strike down the abominations we give as sacrifice. This is this for that. Gets me every time. I'm glad. I'm glad. I hope the spirit is in you. Oh, I can feel it. A little background on this. In the pre-show, which I'm still calling it that. <laughs> Vince informed me that not only did he have something for this, but he didn't want to even talk about it because he wanted my reaction here. <laughs> oh. Well, yeah, yeah, that's the best way to do it. Do you want what I want back first? Yes, let's start with that. Let's start with that. All right. I want to bring back the Lincoln Mark series. The Mark series? The Mark series. You're talking like the Mark six, seven, eight, five, those? Yeah, I mean, believe it or not, the first generation was the Mark II. Don't ask why. I won't. <laughs> I, I don't have an answer is why I'm asking that. That's why I'm asking you to not ask why. But yeah, so the Mark II debuted in 1956 and was only two years. <laughs> it was only until 57. And then the successor, Mark III, Mark IV, Mark V. And then there was a second generation, Mark III, a third generation, Mark IV, a fourth generation, Mark V, a fifth generation, Mark VI, and a sixth generation, Mark VII. And then, honestly, I think they redeemed themselves with the, uh, with the Mark VIII, which was 93 to 98. Personally, I think this vehicle was o- only had one bad generation. And that would be the Mark 7, which was in years 86 to 92 under the Lincoln name and 84 to 85 under the Continental. That was based on the Fox body platform. And while that meant that driving wise, mechanically, it was a perfectly fine vehicle. I just don't think it really it has it in the looks department. It's a little more shrunk up than a Mark series usually would have been. And I just think it just doesn't have that luxury styling uh, as much as, as it really should. But then, like I said, I think the Mark 8, when they came out that 93 to 98, I think it's, it's sleek. It, I, th- I think it's gorgeous. I think it's very, very gorgeous. And then, all of course, all of the old old boat-style ones that they had done. It's just it's a staple of, I think, just luxury exudes from this car. It's It's very much a... A staple thing for the Lincoln brand, the Lincoln Continental brand. I like to see some of these land yachts come back to maybe save a little bit the American sedan. Really, companies are starting to get rid of more and more of their sedan models, but for some reason, the European companies are able to still make them and just and and add models to their range. So you don't necessarily think that it should be made the same. In terms of you don't want these big giant things driving around, or you just or you want a luxury sedan competitor on an American side, or do you really want you know nineteen foot long? I'm not saying I want something nineteen foot long, but where I see this hitting 
is a luxury sedan or coupe competitor to something like a 7 Series BMW. Okay. That's where I see this hitting the mark. Uh, hitting the mark. Uh... Oh, God. I just got that. <laughs> oh, sorry. That was... <laughs> Normally, I remove the delay, but I think I'm going to keep that, that one in there. You, wow. you need to... <laughs> I need to know what I've done. Vince is on satellite delay in Mexico. It's like a news interview. Yeah, yeah. I didn't hear that right away. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies there. Right, right. It hit a bit of lag. No, they did. I, they were very stylish, very violently American. <laughs> uh, but but I think just, I mean, I keep coming back to it, but the way they did the Mark 8, it looked less American. It looked more European styling-wise. It was very curvy. It was very elegant. Um, and yet it was still very simplistic on the outside. They came supercharged too, didn't they? Yeah, because it was it was the same platform as the Thunderbird. Yes. Whatever the Thunderbird oh. came with, the, the Mark 8 came with. Just fantastic. Absolutely. Sharp. I like it. All right, who are you getting rid of? Ah, okay. So um, to, to, to trade for that. Oh, boy. I'm inclined to say, let's just get rid of the Volkswagen GTI. What? 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 Are you are you a real person right now? Is this a thing that's happening? First of all, so... <sighs> I don't even understand. Okay, let's go. Come on. Why? What the hell? What? This is like one of the staple, like, cool little hot hatch kind of cars. I mean, it's not little anymore, but... Still pretty good to drive and pretty good all around. What, what what's the deal, man? Well, you hit the, the nail on the head there, didn't you? It's not little anymore. Let's put it this way: brand new ones, I don't see that many. That's true. I think I think the way it's just ballooned up throughout the years has finally caught up to it, and I think there are better options out there. Is this a Mustang thing where you think they've just gotten so far off from? What they're doing? No, I, I don't think it's conceivable to build a Volkswagen GTI. That's in, in modern times. I don't think it's conceivable to build a Volkswagen GTI that lives up to the name. And I think they should retire it. Wow, I see. I'm inclined to disagree with you there. Yeah. Well, I think they could definitely. There's definitely still a spot for it. I think that they'd have to dedicate it a little more. To they'd have they'd have to completely redo it. The golf wouldn't be what the golf is now. It would have to be closer to what it was. You'd really have to. But I mean, they're still making the Polo and the. Um, that's that's the platform it should be built on. But that's what I'm saying. Like it's there. It's not like they have to completely go back to the drawing board. If you slap all that into a Polo, and suddenly you're back and you're back in a big way. Right. They're a little busy lying about their fuel economy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can still make that joke, right? How long has that been? I can oh, still no, no. I'm you can still sure. make that joke. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I can still. Yeah. No, that Good. was an awful transgression they did there. Oh, but yeah, no, it, okay. I, I will I will concede that. If they were to take their take the GTI and just make Apollo into a GTI instead, then absolutely. But right now, they're taking the Gulfs and making them GTIs and... They they can't do that. If that's if that's all they're going to continue to do, then just retire the GTI at this point. You if you want to take the badging for it, you want to take the GTI badging and apply it to other vehicles and just like make you know adjustments to it to make it a GTI, you know whatever. Go for it. But the the Volkswagen GTI based on the Golf platform has is, is just it's it's not it's not what it it's not there. I don't like it. I don't like it anymore. I, I really haven't enjoyed enjoyed the idea of it for the past maybe two generations, but at this point, it's just becoming offensive to even call it. <laughs> at this point, now it's it's really just it's an affront to its own name, basically, is what you're saying. Just call it a hatchback Jetta. Wow, we're going there. Okay, call call it a hatchback Jetta. Call it Jetta a Passat, and call a Passat the Phaeton that they used to have. I like the Phaeton. You get the Phaeton in V10. That was a pretty sweet car. Oh, no, the Phaeton was fantastic. But I'm saying, all cars are growing. But the 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 Golf and the GTI were like that. That was their that was their thing. Was the smallness of it, right? Like other other cars that started off small like that. That wasn't what necessarily defined them. 
but that was kind of what defined the golf and the GTI because it was sort of like the Beetle. Like they, that was the new Beetle for them. It was just this small, tiny car. Yeah. And now it's not, and it's it's ruined. Yeah. If you if you wanted something, a hatch with pep that you could run that would feel the way that it's supposed to, you'd go get a Fiesta ST. Yeah. Because that's doing it, and it's doing it small, and it's doing it well. Absolutely. I mean, Toyota is uh, bringing some stuff in over with the Yaris uh, that they're planning on doing in the next couple of years. And that looks like it's going to be a nice hot hatchback, but it's a smaller footprint. Yeah, I, I think. And that's the thing. I think you're going to find a lot of there's still a lot of market for that. That's why I, that's why initially I was like, I really think they could they could still do if they did it properly, they could still do it well. Yes. No. And, and, and I, I'm conceding that point to you. Absolutely. If they were to do it properly, I would rescind my comment. I don't want it gone. I don't have faith that Volkswagen would. Zero faith. And, and OK, if they did, if for some reason Volkswagen did the GTI justice and put it on a smaller platform, they wouldn't sell it in the U.S. That's probably true. I'd be Back in the Cold War days, if we didn't get a vehicle due to like all this you know, spec and blah, 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 but most of the world is using the same crash test rating stuff. And, and everything's a lot more universal now. There is zero reason why countries don't get specs of vehicles unless it legitimately doesn't play to the market. However... Something like a hot hatchback absolutely plays to the U.S. market because we have so few of them. And that is the introduction for majority of first car buyers that want a sporty car. They look at hot hatchbacks. So, yes, their market is there. There's There's no reason for them not to market it to us. And I don't think they would if they were to build it, which is a big if. That's a shame. Honestly, it is a shame. the The hot hatch world is is cool. Oh. You, know, you get you get a lot of interesting, a lot of interesting stuff out of there. You know, it's not the traditional power that I'm necessarily into, but like I said last week, like I'm going to say every week, you know, a community where every bit of your car is something that you can change into something you like for something you want to do. That's okay in my book, and that's the and they're sweet. They're a lot of fun to drive. They're they're yeah. awesome. And 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 I'll and I'll give it this. If 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 you if you're into cars and you're into that old school power, big power thing, and you have parents that are cool enough to let you do that, awesome. But if your parents aren't car people, they're probably not going to be cool with you driving around the rust bucket from the '60s and '70s that makes a ton of noise and <laughs> with with no airbags, no airbag. Like they're not they're not going to approve that. What they would approve is the small little hatchback looking thing that has maybe two or four doors and, you know, is front wheel drive, which is quote unquote safer and all that jazz, you know, they're going to approve of that and you owning it. And then you get to go and do your thing to it and personalize it and make it your own and enjoy car culture. I heard some, I heard some skepticism there on front wheel drive, which is quote unquote safer. (laughs) Sorry. You disagree. Is there, is there a hot take brewing in there, Vince? All right, for 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 somebody who doesn't know how to drive front wheel drive safer, whoa! And there it is. Oh my god! Anybody who actually understands how a vehicle is controlled can be a lot safer in rear wheel drive applications. Wow! Look at you. I agree. You're right, but <laughs> but damn, <laughs> that's one of those things that like, do you say? I mean, people know it, but do you say it? I don't know. But there you have it. All right. Well. So you want returned the Mark series. We're not just talking one. You want the Mark series back. Well, so if, if, if they were to bring the series back, I think they could actually turn it into like, uh, like Lincoln could turn this into something that could go like they have a big version that goes after the seven series. And then they could have like another one that goes after like the three series, you know, like they could have multiple variants of it, I believe. There wasn't anything they did with it in the past. In the past, it was typically, well, actually, no, that's a lie because the, the first generation of it, when they had the, the various marks of the first generation, you know, they had a, they had they had coupes, they had four doors, they had var- they had variation there, you know, to to a certain extent. Um, I think, but then after that, they just built you know one, and that was that was basically it. But I, yeah, I think they could actually have a couple of different models and market it, you know, a large one for for a seven series type deal, 
and then you know maybe a coupe to go after the M4, you know, something like that. You know, they could hit a couple of marks with the mark. <laughs> Fair enough. So return the mark, get rid of the GTI. This is your offering this week. Mm-hmm. Intriguing for sure. I think you're gonna like mine. I really do. Yeah, I do. I think. Well, I think you're definitely gonna like what I'm gonna what I want to bring back. Um, okay. The sacrifice. I'm not sure, but I think you're definitely gonna like what I want to oh, bring my. back. Are you? Are you gonna? I was gonna get controversial on me. Like I, I think it's I think. in that vein. It's it's actually getting rid of a car that I like, to be honest with you. But I think needs to be returned oh, to no. what it was and not what it is. Which is kind of like the theme of this entire segment, apparently. It seems to be. Like, well, yeah, we kind of walked into it a little bit, I guess. Yeah, you're right about that. I would like various car deities for you to return the Subaru Brat to us. Ooh, yes. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I knew, I knew you were going to like that. I knew it. It's a cool car. It is a cool car. The Brat was this cool, and first of all, Brat, for those of you who don't know, by drive recreational all-terrain transporter but the brat just a sweet little peppy little baby el camino thing <laughs> four-wheel yeah. drive two doors you know i mean just a sweet little car you're talking like oh, what did they get uh the ea engines Right, that was the EA series. Uh, yeah, just, a little, just a little four cylinder, yeah. One point six, the one point eight. You could be <laughs> eighty three and eighty four. You had get ready up to an optional ninety four horsepower turbocharged engine. Ooh-wee. Standard transmission. The turbo's got an automatic, and I mean, just a cool. This car also had for anyone who remembers, and for you, those two seats in the back. Yeah, <laughs> in the little bed that had that had like handles on them that you can just hold on to because they're in seat belts. Yes, yes, it's yes. Sweet. Oh my it's gosh. a sweet little machine. I think with who Subaru is, it would be awesome. They would do it really well. Here's the thing. Ooh. In exchange, I, I'd like to, to offer up the WRX. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. I have multiple times on this show mentioned that I don't think it should be its own vehicle. I love it. They've done a, a good job with it, but it shouldn't be its own car. Part of part of the great thing about Subaru was, and can be to an extent, that no matter what you got from them, you could get something out of it performance-wise. And while that's, prob- that's still true with the WRX, with the other models, it's really not. There's not a ton of standard plug-and-play aftermarket for stuff like the Impreza or the Forester anymore. And... I think part of that is because they took the WRX. Now, it wasn't always a WRX, right? But in Japan, it was for the Forester. It was an STI. And the Impreza got the trim as well. And they put it on its own thing and called it a day. I think you miss out on a couple very, very good cars doing it that way. And I think it's just easier as a brand for Subaru to just go, well, here's the WRX. If you want that, there it is. All right, but, you know. What if I want what if I want a, an Impreza wagon with a, a turbocharged four cylinder and a five banger in it? Why why do I gotta go buy this forty something thousand dollar sedan? Mm. So I know. And it's listen, I like the car. I do. You see them on the road, people have done some cool stuff with them. You see them in that blue with the gold rims and the spoilers. They look good. That's I mean, I never get tired of that look. Oh my gosh, Bradley's moving with gold rims. It's not even gold, it's the bronze, just the like the dark bronze. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And they look good. It looks good on them. They take a lot of good aftermarket stuff. They People have done really cool things with these cars. Make no mistake about it. I like the WRX. I just think that it holds up the way for some stuff that was crucial to Subaru's identity before that we're not getting now. They really have fallen into the whole like Volvo safe car thing, haven't they? Yeah, whereas Volvo decided, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make insane luxury vehicles instead. Yeah, oh my gosh. But yeah, I think Subaru, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with playing off of the fact that you're a safe and reliable vehicle. No. You should be. But the madness of, for example, the Forester XT. Well, the re- I, I think the main, I mean, yes, part of what you were saying with them making things their own, tr- their trim levels, their own cars, uh, and stuff is, is affecting that. But so they used to be Lego cars. You used to be able to just, everything was interchangeable between Foresters, uh, Legacies, 
impressive. All of it. It was all interchangeable. Yeah. This, they used there's so many of the same parts. And there's how many builds of, hey, we took a 20, whatever, an 06 WRX engine and put it in an 06 Legacy because it really it fits. And we just did a couple other things. And now we have a WRX Legacy. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's, but, and I understand that that's very impractical for car companies to do. And how Subaru managed to do it for as long as they did, I don't know. I don't know. It's, this is a, this is a rough one for me because I get what you're saying, but I also understand the impracticalities that come along with what you're saying. And I don't know if we saw the WRX go away, if we would actually get any of the results that you're looking for. Yeah, that's that's fair too. I think it would be, I don't, yeah, I don't think they'd do it. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I don't like to see that it's its own car. I would much, <clears throat> excuse me, much rather it be a trim level. And I would love if Foresters had the same trim levels that we, they, you know, they get in other countries if they have their own STI trim level and things like that. They'll, they'll be fantastic. Which that, there's nothing really stopping them except for the fact they don't think anybody in the US would buy them. Yeah, that's true. Although I the new Forester looks, I mean... Well, the Forester's getting pretty big these days. What I would yeah. really like to see them put a performance package into is the Crosstrek. Yes, that would be outstanding. I think the Crosstrek would be cool. And the other thing, too, because, you know, they in the older, for older like, thir- like 17, 18s that still had an XT, yeah. uh, or 16s that still had an XT, they did, like, some body kits for them uh, aftermarket. They looked okay, but not as good as the old ones did. No. But I think the Crosstrek would be a cool performance model. And I, tell me an Impreza would not look awesome. Oh, no, absolutely. That's why I would love to see the WRX not be a trim level and be part of the Impreza line again because the Impreza wagon looks so good. And you make a WRX STI model out of that wagon would be fantastic. Oh, awesome. Be outstanding. Be outstanding. Yeah, I think that and going back to the Brat, I think Phil's doesn't fill. It just kind of adds to your options with Subaru because you have a couple of them in reality. Oh yeah. But you could do, you know, a couple cool overland. Cause if that's the thing, if that's the direction we're going and it kind of seems to be right. The Hummer's out, the Bronco's out. They redid the blazer. Do people want these kind of SUV capable things? I don't know how functional, you know, the Brad will be two door, but it'll still be cool. And if you, if you build it in the spec like the Bronco does with a couple of different trim levels built for beating the crap out of it and you price it lower, uh, why wouldn't you go buy a Brat? I'd fucking buy a Brat in a heartbeat. Especially came with the snorkels and stuff like like Toyota did with the, with the TRD Tacomas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, super snorkel on that, a decent, some decent gla- ground clearance, a nice little four cylinder turbo. Come on, man, I'm all in for the brat. No, I, I have no objections to that whatsoever. I could see them making it a little bigger than it used to be. I could see them building it on kind of like a Forester size platform, but absolutely, I would love to see that happen. Well, even like a two, uh, one and a half door, you know, do a little back row mm. and then two up front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because I mean, it'd have to be beefier for safety or whatever yeah it would have to have the safety reading things the the bed in the back probably wouldn't be as big as it used to be which is fine, no one's fine. they'd probably get rid of the rear facing seats too oh, yeah. <laughs> probably have to for legal reasons how funny would it be if they sold them as like an aftermarket just bolt it in i bet you give it the brat came out give it six months there'd be an aftermarket company with brackets for that just like here Bolt your Kirkies into the back <laughs> of your Subaru Brat. It'd be that package oh, you can buy online that destroyer. says for off-road use only. The spine destroyer. It'd be that. It'd be that package you could buy online that says for off-road use only. As you add it to your cart and have it shipped to you know. Yes. City Center USA. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's all off-road. I'm going to use it for, sir. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. I think well, you, I, you, it, it, would, it would be a fantastic deal to bring back. I, 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 and I understand your reasoning for for wanting to get rid of the WRX. I really do. I. I just don't know if I fully agree with the move. I mean, it's a it's a tough one to stomach. And I was sitting here thinking about it, to be honest with you. And I was like, oh, but I really like that car because I do. Yeah. But I think and I, and I know that you're right. Corporate wise, they probably wouldn't say, oh, well, that that is gone. But I feel like it puts more pressure on them to do it because now there's not a performance option and people are going to be like, what the hell you know mitsubishi mitsubishi drops the evo and what do they make now nothing because they didn't put performance into anything else okay i how how about how about i wager you this what if they were to drop the sti platform so the sti trim and just keep the wrx Just, just just keep the wrx drop the sti trim and expand the wrx to be more than just a sedan you know like give you more options like the wrx model becomes officially a model and then you have 
different designs that you can pick from for it. Like they can have a wagon version. They can have this and they're just yeah. WRXs. They're the, it's like, it becomes, I mean, it, it is, you know, um, WRX in a way, I guess, sort of technically STI really was Subaru's performance uh, right. flagship, but almost like turn the WRX into that and then just have the different models for it instead it's of gotta be cool with that. Like, like Dodge is starting to do with the SRT. You know, you have SRT everything's. I mean, they're, yeah. they're keeping it as trim levels for their vehicles, but the way that Subaru has gone, I wouldn't mind seeing them just make it a model slash, you know, it's a trim level, but it's just, it's its own category. You go to the WRX category to pick their performance models. Right. So it's like, it's like, you know, sands, SUVs, and they have like the performance tab and it's WRX and it's, here's the WRX wagon. Here's a WRX sedan here's a w exactly that'd be sick that'd be really cool and i i car companies so far haven't really lost investing in performance from the factory no especially if they can keep it affordable and subaru has the parts in house it's not like they're fabbing from scratch to do this so you know you'd end up you'd end up with something that is just an absolute riot to drive at not a crazy price point and they're nice inside. You don't have to do anything to the, the interior spec, really. You know, invest it in the drivetrain. You know, put a couple of extra badges and things here and there so that it looks a little nicer inside. But to be honest, the people who are going to buy them are going to completely redo it anyway. <laughs> you know, these cars won't stay stock for long. No, no, they will not. <laughs> I haven't seen yet. And I, I mean, I haven't done any research into it, so I could be wrong. And if I am, tell me. I haven't seen yet a modern Impreza with a WRX spec or swap of any kind. I haven't either. Not that I've looked too hard, but I, I haven't, no. I think it would lend itself to it, though. You know, the you know raise the rear spoiler up and widen it out a little bit. I, I really think it would look good. I really do. I always I always like the performance Subarus more as a hatchback than as a sedan to begin with. So I would much Absolutely. rather see the hatchback wagons get those get those trims and get those performance parts. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's... It's it's a it's a rough thing to navigate. Definitely, yeah. See, I and you thought I couldn't surprise you. Bam! <laughs> you surprise me constantly. Took you off guard. I know. I know. New lows, right? New lows. Wow! Wow! <laughs> oh man, here I go trying to give you a compliment. I know. Yeah, you should really stop doing that. You really stop doing that. Either way, a couple of things that we always like to say before we sign off, which are Vince. What's the first one? Because I don't remember. What? Oh, tell us why we're wrong. Oh yeah, yeah. no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, a couple of a uh, couple of really controversial esque points made. I mean, we we kind of we made controversial points, then we each talked each other out of our controversial points. I'd say, <laughs> but still, nonetheless, uh, we'd love to hear your opinion on any of this. Tell us why we're wrong. We really would. We're on we're on Facebook now. Yeah, yeah, we have a Facebook page. Now. We are uh, Blinker Fluid on there, so go ahead and find Should us. Should be a pretty easy find if you search it. We, yeah, we tried. We tried to make it as easy as we could. I am by no stretch of the imagination um, well-versed in this particular area of computering. So, Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I, I, like, I like computers. I consider myself to be a bit of a computer nerd. I am not a uh, social media nerd. So. Yeah, you literally built a computer, so... I don't know what to tell you on that. But anyway, tell us where we're wrong. Interact with us. Tell your friends if you are so inclined. And then our our weekly campaign, which is going to be our campaign forever, mod your cars. Do stuff to them. Absolutely. Make them yours. Who cares what your neighbors say? (laughs) (laughs) Noise complaints are temporary. Yeah. You got to get that out of the way early. You kind of get that out of the way early, for sure. Well, yeah, that about wraps up week four for us. Check your blinker fluid, and we will talk to you in a week. Stay safe out there.